I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. Appreciate you sticking around for the show today. This is the... This is the Rage Against the Machine show. And I was listening to some of my, my intro music. Even though the band is sold out, they really sold out during the vaccine times. Very sad to see. But this is the Rage Against the Machine show, so don't be expecting the Rage Against only the other half of the machine show. Because that would be dumb, right? If you were a USC fighter and you decided you were going to go in and you were only going to really pay attention to block and attack the right side of your opponent, how long do you think that would last? I think that's a trap we're, we're set in right now. Yeah, I actually was, uh, I'm, I'm back from California, another 30, what was it, 33-hour drive? <laughs> I got to tell you, that, that's not a whole lot of fun. I got to say, the ride back was, oh, it was long. But I had 33 hours here, 33 hours there, it's 66 hours in the car. I, I tuned into a podcast I've not listened to really before. Uh, it was called The Mike Madison Show. <laughs> I actually went back and listened to a couple of my shows. I, 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 I can hear how I can sound a little grumpy sometimes. You know, I, I, it's, it was funny. My show made me smile. I don't know if it does you or not, but it made me, uh, made me laugh a little bit. But, you know, I, I, I can hear it in my voice already. I'm already tired of election season. What are we, 14, 15, 16 months away from the elections? I've already had it. If politics was gluten, then I have celiac disease. I mean, I just can tolerate almost no no part of it. So it's going to be interesting to see how I survive uh, for the next year or so should WYAB continue to give me a platform. I got a whole kind of a hodgepodge of stories today. Going to get into a little food stuff because I ran across. I, have you ever run across a headline where you went, ah, oh, okay, that explains everything. I've got one of those. I've got one of those headlines, but I wanted to talk about what I guess is going on today. The the UAW, we talked about it last week. The UAW is striking. Uh, UPS has recently had a strike. The Hollywood actors have had a strike. We're seeing lots of strikes. And the reason is, among other reasons, I don't know what Hollywood wants. It really cracked me up. Did anybody notice that the late night shows weren't playing anymore? I remember old Hollywood strikes where the late night shows had to board up and they couldn't do anything, and it was it kind of felt like something was missing. This time around, I, I don't think anybody even noticed. Jimmy Kimmel, uh, Fallon, his first name's Jimmy too, isn't it? Jimmy Fallon and Stephen Colbert. I guess there's a few hundred thousand people in the entire country that watched these guys. I don't think anybody really noticed, but the bottom line is everybody's striking. And I did a show last week explaining they're all striking about the wrong thing. They're all attacking the wrong people. 
Because what the problem is, is not that your wages are too low, it's that the cost of living is too high, and that's a direct re uh, result of government spending. And I would say one out of every 20 to 25 people understand that. And that's a shame. Obviously, the unions don't understand that. Uh, I'm not sure if it's today or, or, or yesterday, the, the UAW strikers are going to be visited by two people. Do you see these headlines? Joe Biden. Joe Biden was going to go out, and I think he was going to lock arms with them, get out on the—he's going to shuffle around the protest line with them. I don't know. I'm not going to watch the news. I don't want to go see Joe Biden pander to a bunch of union employees that don't understand why they can't afford their rent or their mortgage or a new car. Joe Biden is making an appearance to give solidarity with the, uh, the striking auto workers. Who's the other one? Anyone? Anyone? Donald Trump. Donald Trump is going to go out, and while the GOP debate is going on, he's going to give a speech to the striking auto workers. As a little bit of an aside on that, it's kind of interesting to me. I remember when conservatives, it doesn't seem like that long ago, I remember conservatives were calling Delbert Hoseman, and, and even before that, last year, Michael Guest, the two Republicans, they were calling these two guys complete cowards for not debating their primary rivals. Do you remember this? <laughs> now they say Donald Trump is going to skip his second debate. He will not get on the stage and do it. The, what, what, the same conservatives who were calling Michael Guest and Delbert Hoseman cowards, and I was with you. I agreed with you then. They were cowards. But Delbert Hoseman and Michael Guest made the exact same political calculation that Donald Trump's making right now, yet somehow, because it's Donald Trump, it's different. He's a political genius for not debating. Ugh. It's got to make your head hurt <laughs> to try to come up with so many exceptions for the, the rules of outrage uh, when it comes to Trump. But anyway, so Donald Trump's visiting the striking workers. So let's get, let me get this straight. There are really two guys. Two guys in the world that really unleashed, that lit the fuse, piled the kindling, and exploded inflation on the American people. Two guys. Now, the Congress is involved. The Federal Reserve is involved. It's not only them, but it is them kind of setting the tone, right? Those two men who unleashed inflation that really ate away at everybody's wages, if you're at the bottom 99.99% of people, took your formerly satisfactory wages and turned them into about 60 cents on the dollar, the two guys that headed up the organization that did that to these people's pay are the two guys that are coming to speak to the auto workers. Both Trump and Biden unleashed massive inflation that made the money that these workers make worthless, made their lives harder. And now they are having them come speak to them, I guess about being on their side. I'll tell you what, as I said, the economic illiteracy in this country is hurting us. I, I, here's an interesting, you want some visual math. Isn't that why everybody tunes in to talk radio during the course of a day? Some visual math. I think this is pretty fascinating. Will, you can let me know if you feel the same way. I think the, the, the figures sometimes that we hear out of the mouths of the government or politicians, they're... They're hard to conceive, right? They're really hard to picture. Uh, I have often uh, quoted the statistic that a trillion seconds, right, if you were to count to a trillion, one, two, three, it would take you 32,000 years to get to one trillion. 
I, I, that's one of my favorite kind of visual statistics. But here's another one that's, that's kind of interesting that I made up off the cuff here because, well, I'm a weirdo. So I was driving back from Southern California to Mississippi over the past several days. And at some point, you know, I mean, as I said, I had 66 hours in the car. And one of the reasons I listened to my own show, just so I can go ahead and say this, the reason I listened to my own show was that Spotify was was cutting in and out. It was annoying me. I was trying to get some Rogan interviews, but nothing was happening. I was through just about every other podcast I listened to during 66 hours. I just, I had to listen to my show. (laughs) I was curious. I was curious. But 66 hours alone, you know, with me particularly, with this overactive, weird mind of mine, uh, at one point I wondered to myself, how many of the dividing lines between the lanes was I going to pass in my drive between California and Mississippi? Maybe that's not weird. I don't know. This isn't something you would really discuss with other people at, at any point. But it did pop into my head. I, mean, I was just watching, you know, line, line, line. And I thought, man, I wonder how many of those, if I really did. So what I do, <laughs> I did what I do with my weird, curious mind, and I looked it up. There are 132 dividing lines per mile. I actually found a kind of interesting story about it where they ask people, how long do you think the dividing lines between lanes are uh, when you're going down the highway? People estimated somewhere between two feet and four feet long. They're actually 10 feet long, or they can be up to 10 feet long. But it's just the visual perception of driving by them so fast, you don't realize they're that that long. Another thing that I found interesting. But anyway, uh, so I did the math. There's 132 dividing lines on the highway per mile. I drove 1,823 miles one way. That was from... Southern California, back to Mississippi. So I passed, here we go, I'm doing the math. I passed 240,635 lane marker lines, the dotted lines on the highway. Now, of course, this is not accurate. Sometimes it's a double line. Sometimes there's no lines. But we'll just go ahead and use what is, what is could be customary. 240,635 lines. So I took this another step further to try to get some visual math for people to start to contemplate exactly what we're dealing with here. Again, this is a three-day, 33-hour drive over 1,800 miles. You can picture this in your brain and think, man, those lines are just shooting past you all day long for 33 hours. That's a lot of lines, right? If you took the daily amount of money the U.S. government is spending right now just on interest on the debt, and you took it and you laid it out in cash on each highway stripe between here and Los Angeles. Do you know how much would be on every single stripe? $8,311.34. $8,311 on every single stripe on the highway between here and Los Angeles. That's just what we're using to pay interest on the debt because Thad Cochran spent too much. Right? Because Trent Lott spent too much. Because the nut jobs that are there right now, Benny Thompson, Cindy Hyde Smith, Roger Wicker, spent too much. I don't really go much past that. You know, we've got these dynasties here in Mississippi where we let them serve for 40 years at a time. So there's not very many of them, but you get my drift. Tom Daschle, Rick Dick Gephardt, Newt Gingrich, I don't care who you want to name. Any of these old politicians, including the batch that's in there right now, we allow them to overspend so crazy, uh, such a crazy amount of money. We're spending $2 billion per day, 
just an interest on that debt. So in every single stripe of the highway, $8,311.34. But what about the total U.S. debt? Now, again, I, I thought this was interesting. You put this in your mind. You're driving down the highway for 33 hours. Lines just wishing by. One, two, three, four. Yeah, you, you know how it is. I've, we've all driven before. I guess I don't have to narrate that. If you were to take the U.S. debt right now, which has just crossed $33 trillion, and I think it's tacked on almost another $100 billion in the last week. If you took the U.S. debt at $33 trillion, do you know how much would be on every single stripe on the highway between here and Los Angeles? 1,823 miles. On every single stripe, the new U.S. debt would represent $137,137,158 on every stripe on the highway. I don't know. I Like I said, I'm weirdo. Maybe I'm, you know, I do some shows for other people that maybe this one's just for me. I'm just trying to seek a way. I'm trying to figure out a way where people can start to comprehend of exactly what it is that they are doing to this country, doing to us and doing to our children. I thought maybe that would help. <laughs> maybe it will. Maybe it won't. When I get back, we're going to get into some of these stories. There's some kind of tiny ones which I, you know, I could just kind of rapid hit because I've got something to add to all of them. Some, some observations that I think are left out of uh, other people who cover these topics. So we'll get to those when we come back. I Stick was around. born a shotgun in my hands Behind the gun I'll make my final stand All right, I'm not sure if my, my math landed there. I'm going to circle back to this one more time because I looked at the numbers as I'm looking through my show notes. <laughs> the U.S. national debt is like having $137 million stacked up on every single dividing line on the interstate between here and Southern California. $137 million. I almost, I'm going to spare you this, but I almost, during the break, almost looked up the statistics on how tall would $137 million bills be stacked up. It's probably miles into the sky. $137 million per stripe. Oh, my gosh. All right. On to the stories that I have taken some interest in over the past week. I got to, I, I'll tell you, I loved the Canadian Parliament giving a standing ovation to an actual Nazi SS soldier on Yom Kippur. <laughs> I guess it's the holiest of all days to the Jewish religion. I mean, you, this is just one of those things that shows how absolutely bizarro our world is right now. They were cheering for an SS stormtrooper, a literal Nazi. <laughs> but... I, you know, as I said, these stories, everyone will talk about them. I don't talk about them unless I can add something to them. So I'll just add this. I find it just as the, so, so the, you know, the, the gist of the story was that the Canadian Parliament stood up, gave this guy a standing ovation. Now, of course, somehow, <laughs> somehow Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, blamed it on Russian disinformation. I'm not sure even, but I guess you just, you know, as I've said many times, we live in a world where you just say things now and they're true. It doesn't have to have any basis of fact. You don't have to explain them. You just say things. 
So this is what he has blamed it on. But, you know, obviously all of these people stood up that, you know, th this reminds me of that time where the ki the all the parents were applauding after they had changed the grading scale in Madison schools where an A was not 95 and above, but now it was 90 and above. And they went, then they said, and we had more people, you know, more students on the all A honor roll than ever any time before. And everybody was applauding. And I was the only person in the crowd looking around going, uh... I think I can explain that. <laughs> yeah, you changed, you know, you made an A. You you added five more points of grace to getting an A. Anyway, I guess nobody stopped to say, let's see, 98 years old, World War II, fighting the Nazis. Uh, I mean, uh, fighting the Russians. Who would that be? Uh, oh, yeah, the Nazis. But I find it, and this is what the part that I'll add, I find it just as disgusting that people like Dick Cheney, Henry Kissinger, Hillary Clinton, and every other politician who has voted for or created wars where millions of people die. Now, you know, I, I, cannot, I cannot say, I cannot prove <laughs> that Lindsey Graham himself, I don't think he personally shot thousands of Jewish women and children in the head like this SS douche that the Canadian Parliament cheered for. I, I don't think that that's probably the case, but Lindsey Graham... Lindsey Graham's responsible for more deaths than that Nazi SS soldier. And I would imagine somewhere, sometime this week, he's going to get a standing ovation from an American audience. He is, he is, these people, these neocons, these warmongers, they will get the same standing. When I see standing ovation or any applause or even just any deference to these people that are responsible for literally... I'm very judicious in my use of that word. Literally millions of people have died from the Kissingers and the Clintons and the Obamas. And yet they are genuflected in front of on the regular. So it was funny that they, that they honored an actual Nazi. Pretty easy one to pick apart. But I would say we expand our mind a little bit. And if we don't like a Nazi stormtrooper, maybe we shouldn't like somebody who is also responsible for uh, millions of deaths. The, the thing is, is that Americans have been so brainwashed, you can't even see crimes against humanity. And, and I know this probably happens. You know, there were a lot of people who saw the oppressive Soviet government back in the days of the communist USSR, and they, they, were, they bought in to Mother Russia ignored all the abuses of themselves, ignored their uh, expansionism and the violence where they overtook other areas in Eastern Europe. The citizens there ignored those things and they thought it was the great success of the Soviet empire. We have the exact same thing happening here in the United States. We, we, cannot, see, we cannot see crimes against humanity here because we've been sold, it, uh, sold those kinds of things as anyone, anyone, American strength and leadership. American exceptionalism. And, and this is for about 90% of our population. I'm, I'm just saying, we regularly see applause for some of the most depraved and vile people amongst us. I was actually, I was watching a documentary on Netflix called City of Fear. I don't know if you've ever seen this. One of, you know, one of the genres that I do enjoy watching is the mafia. You know, anything about the mafia, real world mafia stuff. And this this Netflix series is called City of Fear. It's about the mob takedown when they really started doing a lot of wiretaps on the mafia. Uh, interesting show. All that stuff is pretty fascinating. 
Um, but what was interesting to me, because I watch things differently than most normal human beings, normal not being a good thing in, <laughs> in this case, I don't think, but this, this city of fear thing, uh, it really highlights Rudy Giuliani and Michael Chertoff as the heroes in the Justice Department in taking down the mob. Now, that's kind of interesting to me. It is well known that Rudy Giuliani was one that took on with the Justice Department. I think he was what? He was the uh, with the Southern District of New York or whatever. He's one of the prosecutors there when they took down the mob. But these two men, Rudy Giuliani and Chertoff, that are in this show, shown to be these heroes of taking down the mob, uh, then Giuliani led, what, the 9-11 cover-up? He facilitated the destruction of evidence within days of that. He is also one of these neocons. It's Rudy Giuliani, who was just lauded in this series about being this great crime fighter. He's, he's the guy on the side of the angels. Law and order, baby. And then he goes on to commit some of the most heinous crimes in the world. Now, I know a lot of people don't want to hear this because he's Trump's guy now. He's America's mayor to a lot of people who don't understand that we were lied to about 9-11. But he is one of these neocons. He was cheering for the bombing of the Middle East. You don't like the Middle Eastern wars? Well, Rudy Giuliani is one of the people that was very, very involved in these neocon groups uh, to expand us into those endless conflicts. Most people don't pay attention to that. The people watching City of Fear on Netflix won't ever know that. Michael Chertoff was another one. Apparently, he was with the Justice Department, too. If you don't know who Michael Chertoff is, he's one of the guys that became, I believe, our second uh, secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. You, you know the DHS, right? Department of Homeland Security, one of the most unconstitutional, huge... Soviet-style bureaucracies of spying on the American people to fight an invisible, uh, imaginary enemy really largely created by the government when it comes to terrorism. I spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. But Michael Chertoff also was, uh, it was widely talked about the fact that when they put in the body scanners in the airport, guess who owned a big chunk of one of the companies who uh, made the body scanners? Yeah, that was Michael Chertoff. So even the heroes, I mean, it's not hard for me to, to talk about the villains out there that, to me, are every bit as bad as an SS officer that serve within our own government and are still widely popular uh, in American circles with a lot of people, probably not my audience. I'm preaching a little bit to the choir if you're a regular listener, but even in this, even in this show, City of Hate, two of the big heroes, Rudy Giuliani and Michael Chertoff, are two of the biggest gangsters the government's ever seen. We also found out uh, this past week that the U.S. taxpayer is paying the expenses of the Ukrainian government, including pensions, <laughs> pensions for uh, Ukrainian government workers. <laughs> Most Americans don't have pensions, right? Uh, but uh, that's, that's all right. That's all right. They're going to throw $1,200 uh, at you at some point and uh, get us all to sit down and shut up. I mean... You know, I keep asking this question. I don't know. I would say I've asked it at least a smooth dozen times since I came on air. What do you have a red line of what <laughs> what you wouldn't support with your tax dollars? Like like a you know, we're always told Syria has a red line, Russia has a red line. Always America has tons of red lines. We we slap red lines down around the borders of every single country, and if they <laughs> if they do anything that we don't like, that's our red line. Does the American people have any red lines? Is funding Ukrainian pensions is that a red line to anybody? Going to kind of make you rethink this idea when the Republicans come and tell you they're going to give you a tax cut. You don't stop and go, hey, how about you quit taking money out of my pocket to put it into a Ukrainian Nazi pensioner's pocket? 
I don't know. At some point, we'll get to that red line, maybe when people can't afford it at all. But one of my favorite things, one of my favorite news stories that I saw, and I'm going to go against the grain once again, I love the Senate removing the dress code from Congress. Now, lots of people think this is tacky, because, particularly because it was an accommodation for the for the severely mentally retarded John Fetterman who dresses like an absolute slob. But I have, I'm on record. I can't be a hypocrite. I'm on record on this radio show for almost seven years now saying I would love, I would love to serve in Congress and show up in something like, I don't know, hot pants and a tube top and definitely a, a clown's nose. Because I think it's really more disingenuous for these corrupt gals and guys uh, to show up and try to look respectable. It, it, it's along the lines of where they call each other, uh, I'd like to recognize the honor, honorable woman, the honorable man from Tennessee. The, you know, there's no honor in these people. But we, we, we get let them put honorable this or honorable that. You know, the, the dress is just another thing, too. It is almost like a camouflage of evil liver, little uh, lizard people, right? It gives them this, this air of some credibility and importance to dress like that. I love Rand Paul showed up in a robe. I think Josh Hawley showed up in a, in a unicorn's outfit, for if, if that wasn't a Photoshopped image. I don't know. But a few people had some fun with it, but I'm all for it. Because I'm sick of looking at these people come out in their nice suits with their American flag lapel pins, and Ukraine flag lapel pins, and CIA lapel pins. Oh, that was Sean Hannity. Uh, State of Israel lapel pins. And they come out and they just look so sharp with their three, $400 taxpayer-funded haircuts and their nice duds. I think they should all have clown noses on. They should look the way they actually are, which is worth nothing. Really not important or impressive people. So the worse the dress code gets, the more, the more they look like they don't deserve respect, maybe more people will catch on and understand that they actually don't. Now, I do like the idea, and it's come up now. This is all kind of an old thing, but many people, when they talked about changing the dress code, said they ought to be like NASCAR drivers. they got to put their sponsors all over their clothes. I'm for that, too. That would be an eye-opener. But I, I love anything that makes this body look as dysfunctional and unimpressive and as big of a train wreck as it is, anything that makes it appear that way, I think is a win for the American people. That may that visual may help people finally catch on. Got to take a break. I'll be right back. A little bit of loneliness, a little bit of disregard, handful of complaints, but I can't help the fact that everyone can see these scars. What I want you to want, what I want you to feel, but it's like no matter what I do, I can't convince you to just believe this is real. So let go, watching you turn your back like you always do. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 1039 WYAB. Uh, let's see what I want to do here. I'm going to go ahead and issue a preemptive trigger alert, but it'll probably, it may be next segment. Probably be next segment before I get to it. I'm going to do a little bit of food stuff today. I keep piling up headlines and stories about food and, and other things that. Uh, but I, I, there's going to be, you know, there are no sacred cows on this show. I'll take down some very popular topics. I will, I will upset a lot of people that way. I don't care. And I've got one, boy. I tell you, there, there's going to be a clip. I, it's going to hurt some people. So uh, it's just fair warning. Maybe now I've teased it enough to where you'll be interested enough to stay for the final segment. If maybe you just want to run away now, 
because I'm going to pop a lot of bubbles out there. Speaking of bubbles, speaking of bubbles, I wanted to uh, take a look at at the economy right now. A couple of other fun statistics along with my highway cash narrative to start this show out. Check this out. We are in the biggest housing bubble ever in 2023. This is a guy named Nick Gurley posted this. He said, home prices adjusted for inflation are 85% overvalued compared to their 130-year average. He said the only other time this overvaluation came close was in 2006, and we all know what happened next. 85% overvalued on homes, meaning they're basically more than double, you know, or about about double what they actually should be. Now, will we ever return to the mean? I don't know. If we have a true inflationary event, your house may stay worth what it's worth now. It's just that when you sell it, you can't buy anything. <laughs> the money won't be actually worth anything. The housing market is absolutely fascinating. I think we set a new record in the average home price, even with interest rates the way they are. And I've seen this explained by the fact that the only people buying houses right now are essentially cash buyers. People who don't need to worry about the mortgage rate, so they'll, they'll pay for a house. Mortgage rates don't affect them. They don't really care. For those of you out there who may be looking for a house, I'm telling you, keep your powder dry. I think there's going to be a great opportunity in the coming years. When interest rates are 10 or 12%, we'll see, who, uh, we'll see whose chicken is. If you look at a chart of basically Americans' earnings versus the cost of a house, you know, this chart, uh, if you take it back many decades, it, you know, it goes up and down and up and down. You know, it's just, but it, the lines are always consistent. They are way apart right now. Obviously, the cost of a house is way up to the top. The average American's earnings is way to the bottom. So one of two things has to happen, right? For these lines to come back together, which is what they always do, reverting to the mean, either Americans' incomes have got to just shoot through the roof <laughs> And I don't see many signs of that, or housing is going to come back down to reality at some point. Uh, this was uh, interesting, too, when it comes to commercial real estate. Uh, this is uh, a guy named Mark Allen posted this. He said he heard that there were no bidders, so Signature Bank, I think it's, isn't Signature Bank one of the ones that had to be rescued or went went belly up? Anyway, they've got a commercial uh, real estate loan portfolio. You know, a lot of these banks have a lot of exposure during the free money times of the past 15 years. Uh, these banks loaded up on commercial real estate loans, particularly these smaller and regional banks, and they're still sitting on their books, and commercial real estate is it's teetering, I guess. Signature Bank is trying to sell its portfolio of commercial real estate loans. It offered it up originally at $33 billion. There were no bidders, none. So they've dropped that price too. Anyone? Anyone? $16 billion. Still no bidders. They have marked off half, half of their commercial real estate portfolio, and they still can't get people to bid on it. Uh, this was uh, an interesting story as well. Let me find it here. I've actually gone off track here. Uber Eats. Uber Eats is planning to allow customers who are beneficiaries of government-funded food assistance programs to pay for food delivery using those government benefits. Following in the footsteps of Instacart and Amazon, which began offering that feature to their customers earlier this year. So now food stamps, it's just too much work. The money goes straight into your account. 
You just get on your phone, and the food shows up at your door. (laughs) You know what used to happen to poor people? They used to have to grow their own food. (laughs) I mean, like, you had to get up, go get the seeds, till the soil, monitor the, the crops. I mean, you had to actually feed yourself. Maybe go out and shoot a deer. Not, not anymore. Not anymore. As I've said, we have digital bread lines now. We don't see them. We've had these bread lines throughout all of American, uh, American modern history when people talk about the great prosperous America that we have, right? Every president tells you how his term has been so great. That's because you don't notice the electronic bread lines that are going on. These are the people who are actually essentially standing in a bread line. It's just that it's on a debit card, so you don't notice they're in front of you or behind you at the grocery store, and we're all paying for their food. But you know who won't need food stamps? I want you to check this out, too. This is so gross. And it happens every day, but this this was kind of a biggie one. How many of you listening right now could put your hands on $22,000 cash today if if you had to? I'm really not sure how many people could. But I know there's a lot of people listening to the sound of my voice. If I told you I had the opportunity of a lifetime, if you could just come up with $22,000 cash today, could you do it? And if you could, what if I told you you could turn that $22,000 that you have today into $10 million tomorrow guaranteed? Would you be interested? Well, you might have the cash, but as a little person... You don't have the information some people have. Check this out. This was last week. Last week, someone opened um, the, the, it's called, uh, SPLX, uh, excuse me, SPLK 127 calls for $22,000 expiring tomorrow. Essentially, what this means is they made a bet. They took $22,000 and they made a bet on SPLK. Um, this is a Splunk. Okay, so so stay with me here. I'm, I know I'm fumbling in my words a little bit here. I'm looking at this whole story and picking the words out to try to explain this better. Uh, so somebody goes one day, they take $22,000 in a brokerage account, they buy 127 calls, meaning they're betting that Splunk, S-P-L-K, will go up. Now, usually when you buy options, call options, they might not expire for four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, something like that. These, this guy bought uh, these call options, and they expired the very next day. I say guy. I guess a gal could have done this too. $22,000, they bought this instrument. Then the very next day, Cisco Systems announced that they were acquiring Splunk for $28 billion. The contracts that they bought, this $22,000, They bought the contracts, these what are called call options, meaning you're betting that the stock's going to go up. They bought each one of them for four cents. The very next day, they were worth $18.30. That's a 45,650% return in one day. Somebody took $22,000, placed a bet on the market, a very, very... I mean, who who puts down $22,000 on something that if it doesn't happen by the next day, you lose all that money. You don't get that money back. They, they expire worthless. These call options would expire worthless. You would have paid the $22,000. person already took the $22,000. You'd have the call options, but they wouldn't be worth anything if the stock didn't go up massively like it did. $22,000, they turned into $10 million overnight. 
Huh. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Now, I'd be suspicious that it was somebody with advanced knowledge of this acquisition, but that would be illegal. And we all know Wall Street and our government would never allow such a thing to transpire, right? Yeah, that is the game right there. Think anybody will be held accountable for that? I doubt it. They're still looking for the people who bet against the airlines a couple of days before 9-11. Huh, interesting stuff. Be right back. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is the schizophrenic psycho, yeah. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is the schizophrenic psycho. All right, last segment of the day today. Gotta fit I'm gonna finish with a little bit of uh, a little bit of food stuff again. I'll tell you, trigger alert, I'm about to uh, <laughs> I'm about to give you some unfortunate news about a darling, and it may actually be kind of a darling of the right, too. Now, this isn't my typical uh, smashing one of the right's favorite uh, Sean Hannity types or political types. Uh, this is actually a commercial company that people are in love with, but I, I can't help it. You know, I said, have you ever seen a headline where you just go, oh, now I understand the whole world. I understand everything. Well, I saw that. Uh, Children's Health Defense, I get their newsletter and they sent it out. Funny enough, the website was not working when I tried to access this article. Coincidence? I think not. Uh, Anyway, here's the headline of Mice and Men. Aspartame at doses lower than FDA limits made male mice slower and dumber. (laughs) I looked at that and went, oh, Doesn't that explain a whole lot? We are a country. uh, If you don't know what aspartame is, it's uh, artificial sweetener. That's in all of your gums and your cakes and all your diet sodas that actually make you fatter. Aspartame is just guzzled by the gallon by hundreds of millions of Americans every single day. Uh, Maybe that's judgy for me to say it that way. But uh, to me, I just looked at that and went, oh, okay. Now I see why the things that are going on are going on. Uh, On some good news. On some good news, the CDC did a report, and they found out a record 40% of adults are obese in three states. And, of course, I I gritted my teeth, and I opened the story. West Virginia, Louisiana, and Oklahoma (laughs) all crossed the 40% obese. Not overweight, not pudgy, not a few pounds. These are the big and beautiful people. Over 40% obesity rates uh, in those three states. Uh, I don't know where Mississippi was. I was just happy we were not in the top three. All right, I'm going to finish with this. I'm sorry to do it, but i got to bring you the truth, and I found this absolutely fascinating. Oh, yeah, Mike, that's right. A lot of people eating bad food, but not me. I go to the good, high-quality places like Chick-fil-A. Sitting one day, drinking some coffee, and I was looking at the line at Chick-fil-A. Three lines starting at 10.30 in the morning, and I stayed there for an hour. It never let up. I said, ain't no way in hell that a chicken sandwich tastes that good. So I said, let me see. Uh, I wonder what they're putting in it. And I started doing the research right at the time that you remember, you know, in the hood there was this argument, Popeyes versus Chick-fil-A. And everybody was going back and forth. And people, you seen people at Popeye's, man, got shot. Man, shot somebody because they didn't have no more chicken sandwiches left. 
I mean, I said, I said, this ain't no regular chicken sandwiches. So I went and took the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Come to find out, they have 40, over 40 ingredients in the Popeye's chicken sandwich. 32 of them were man-made chemicals. And I said, well, let's see what Chick-fil-A has. Over 50 chemicals in the chicken sandwich, over 40 of them were man-made chemicals. I said, so hell, this is a dope sandwich. So they, hell, they really are flipping birds over there. They, I mean, because there's no way in the world to justify. So whenever I seen that, um, I said it in a message. And someone took the clip of it and then went on the website of Chick-fil-A, had it broke down where they were clicking on it, showing all of the ingredients and these chemicals that were in it. Do you know the next day Chick-fil-A took that down off their website? So now, now you can't find the ingredients to the Chick-fil-A sandwich or the Popeye's uh, chicken sandwich because they don't want you to know that they're drugging you, that they're doping you, that, that they, are, they have you wanting the food not for nutrition or value, but because you become addicted by the MSG and the other chemicals that they've inserted in that also are immune. I was sitting. All right. Crack filet. Crack filet. Think about that. <laughs> I'm telling you, I love that guy. You know one of those? Because he's got a weird mind like me. He saw a line around the block for Chick-fil-A for three hours, and he said, something isn't right here. What is going on? That's right. But they, that they close on Sundays, Mike, they're fine Christian people. Well, apparently, apparently, they're serving you the same garbage that's hurting your health just like everybody else is. Isn't that a shame? Sorry to do it to you. Just want to help you. I love people. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.